You're listening to Coach Talk, a podcast about coaching for improvement in health and social care. Here you will meet several international experts and coaches to discuss challenges, opportunities, models and tools that might be useful when you coach others to make improvements. Hi everybody and here we are again and my name is Nicolien Wackerberg and I'm a development leader at Culturum. Today I have the privilege to be in Intermountain Healthcare and this is the Transformation Center I am. And um, I'm looking at Jonathan and I also had the privilege to, to be in his group yesterday. There we together coached a group of Swedish people who are doing the advanced trainings program here at Intermountain. Jonathan, can you tell me a bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah, Jonathan Anderson, live here in Utah, in the United States. Uh, I work for Intermountain. I've been here at Intermountain for about a little over five years, and I originally started here working in our Institute for Healthcare Delivery Research that was originally run by Brent James, very well known for his quality improvement work, and got to learn a lot from him, and since then have transitioned to Dr. Allen now. But as a part of being uh, an employee in the in the delivery research institute i've had the opportunity to be a coach an improvement coach as different groups come in to learn at the atp program here at intermountain uh, i've been able to sit in and guide them through their improvement projects so that's uh, one of my roles my other role here is as an analyst a data analyst all right talk more about that is is there a difference between a data analyst and a coach there is. So as a data analyst, we support one of our clinical programs, is what we call them here at Intermountain Healthcare, but we do analytics and reporting, mostly related to clinical work that's done here in our healthcare organization. But we as analysts also act as consultants and coaches for the improvement projects, and one of the reasons for that is because a piece of improvement project is measuring data, tracking it, using statistical process control, and with our background as an analyst, we're able to provide guidance specifically related to that. And then, you know, we we kind of learn as a coach as we go some of the other principles for quality improvement that we might might not have had formal training on in the analytics space. So our our I think each of the analysts, our strength starts with the ability to break down numbers and data and how to present them and how to analyze them. But we we learn from there the other principles. Okay, so, so the, big, the biggest difference between a coach and analyst, how would you yeah, define so, it? Um, as an analyst, my work is really confined to the space of collecting data, organizing it, creating a data visualization or report, and providing that to leaders or clinic teams and allowing them to, to learn from that. We do get to sit in, so it's interesting here at Intermountain, our clinical programs are structured such that we work to build standard care process models. And so as an analyst, I get to sit on that team, but I'm not considered the clinical content expert as far as what, what steps should be taken, but I can provide information on here's how we need to collect the data in order to measure improvement, in order to track changes that we've been making. So that's where our expertise comes into play, but there's, there's a lot that is done as a coach for an improvement project that we don't do as an analyst on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. A lot of our day-to-day as an analyst is really related to that, the data tables and reporting and that sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I had the privilege yesterday that you were coaching the Swedish team and I was thinking, wow, you, you don't know anything about them and you just go in the room and they are presenting five or six projects and you are coaching them. Can, can you tell me a little bit about your feeling? Uh, how was it when you are coaching a group of people, you don't know them and you don't know the Swedish system? How was that? Yeah, so there's there's always a little bit of um, uncertainty yeah. about um, you know how people will react, but I think that the program that we run here is well respected so people come in expecting a, a high quality experience and so that they come in expecting okay i'm going to have a, some good conversation with whoever i interact mm -hmm. with and so that sets the stage for me to be able to listen and it does take you know i don't know all the details about projects and you can't know all of the details in a five minute explanation uh, so my my mindset as i come in as a coach is to try to pick out principles of quality improvement that we can highlight and, and even though I don't know the details, take a step back and look at it, okay, what steps in the improvement process have they gone through or are they missing uh, rather than try to get into some of the details of a specific project. Yeah, I think you did it very, very well. Um, so we were also talking to our students that maybe it's not so necessary to know all the details. As a coach, you, you can go on, you can go on, what, what is your aim and how do you measure that you come there? And I think that was a very good experience uh, be, because you didn't go in the details. You, you just get those really nice questions. Um, a problem in Sweden or a challenge in Sweden, and I think maybe here as well, is okay you can start an improvement work that is almost the easy part of starting people like to do it but how how do you keep them sustain the improvement work mm -hmm. have you some thoughts about that sure so i have a couple thoughts um, for an individual project we talk about maintaining the gains yes where um, initially you can see some nice progress and nice results but how do you maintain those long term? And I think that, you know, something that as a coach, I try to uh, teach to the different groups that I work with is that education alone does not change behavior. So often some a group will come in and they'll say, well, we're going to train the staff. They use that word train yeah, or educate we'll, and we'll let them know this is the change we want to do. Um, so that's fine. That's great. That That's something that we need to interact with the staff, they need to know what's happening. But that alone will not lead to sustained changes and improvement. No. Um, Do they believe that when you say that? So I think they, it starts to hit them that, okay, um, I need to start thinking more broadly yeah. than just, a, they, they might come in with the mindset that if I talk to this one clinic and tell them what we're doing, we'll, we'll have changes and then, my, that perspective that I give them, they see the broader picture of, okay, what if there's turnover with staff, somebody leaves and we hire someone new, what, what happens then? Um, it all comes down to, you know, we're humans and relying on a human to remember everything to do yeah. um, won't lead to a standard process improvement. And so we talk about embedding decisions into the workflow, whether it's through an electronic health record. Sometimes I've seen something as simple as 
something posted on a door as a reminder that this is the steps that we take. So building in decision points into the workflow is key. So that's um, when we talk about a specific project and maintaining, sustaining improvement, I, I encourage people to think about embedding decisions into the workflow. So that's one thing. Um, on a broader scale, as an organization, so I see people come in from all over the world and I see we have certain organizations that continue to send people to the ATP program and you see that there's a culture of quality improvement at those organizations and so they've been able to uh, establish that improvement work is what we do. So if someone new comes in, it's just a part of what we do. We do improvement work and so they've been able to establish a culture of quality improvement. And that's not something that easy. I don't know if there's specific steps that you do to grow that culture. It's just being determined to have more people understand the principles of quality improvement. Mm -hmm. It's not a one-time thing. We need to do it continually. Um, and I think that that, um, that mindset and that culture is what can sustain improvement work in an organization. That we that's this is just what we do it's a part of who we are is this a part of intermountain healthcare or is this a part of the culture of salt lake city of utah i would say for intermountain healthcare certainly yes yeah. we have we have an atp program where pe people from all over come but there's also what we call mini atp program that is really a majority of the participants are intermountain employees yeah. and then we also have something called an internal mini ATP where it's just internal employees and so there's a big effort to get as many people trained and understand quality improvement principles as possible but because we have such a an influence here in Salt Lake and in Utah uh, I do think that it's branched out to it's other spreading. organizations yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. other people know about the work that we do and want to learn and so there is an influence you know we interact with the University of Utah Primary Children's Hospital is um, there's a connection there with the U of U but the U of U has their own healthcare system the university but because there's um, some partnerships and work there there's often folks that come and mm. take a part and understand who we are and what we do and so we've had an influence through that as well I think that can also help to sustain because in a way you make a promise to the people around you and mm -hmm. um, so they will drive also hey what's going on so you should sustain absolutely <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, were there any other thoughts about sustainability uh you know when we talk about maintaining the gains uh, often there's a I, i've seen in projects there's a champion somebody who champions mm -hmm. a project yeah and if they leave that can fall away and so again it goes back to you know there are a lot of pieces to make quality improvement work sometimes but what are the principles that you've put into place to, um, to build a project? And so if a project is based on a person and not the principles, it may not be sustainable. And mm. so we want to look at um, following the principles more than, it's great to have a champion. I think, you know, I'm not discouraging that, but we don't want to just focus on a person. We want to focus on those principles. Mm. I, I think that's very good. That's that you ask your team to write down the principles and maybe to do some kind of game. What will happen when this person will move away? What mm -hmm. will happen then? How yeah. can we keep that sustained? So that Absolutely. you make a simulation. But okay, now we don't have these persons or these three persons. How will it go on? Yeah, I think that's a great way to, to look at that and, and think about 
is our project sustainable? Yeah. If so yeah, and so leaves. Yeah. yeah. It is quite hard, this um, sustainability. Mm -hmm. um, and now not only talking about keeping sustained the gains, but also how do you keep people to want to improve continuously? Because a lot of people are talking, we don't have the time and we are tired. Uh, well, you know, yeah. how, how do we sustain the motivation? Uh -huh. Yeah, so project burnout is, yeah. is very common. I think there needs to be consideration for the frontline teams. You can't throw a lot of projects at them. That's just a uh, something that you need to consider. But I also think that you can prioritize projects. There does need to be a prioritization of goals because teams can't focus on a hundred things at once. So I think, you know, that, that may be a piece where you're not, you are considered with the frontline. And that's, you know, another principle that we talk about is working with the frontline you know, if you go to a, if you have an idea, but you go to the clinic and they, there is a lot of burnout, it might not be the best environment to try to implement another and change at that point. So that's why we encourage working with the frontline. But at the same time, I do think that frontline teams all often have great ideas. They have ideas for how they can improve. And so that's why we encourage going to them and asking, brainstorming with them. Um, at that point, you'll get buy-in and there might not be as much burnout, but if I think you can get a sense pretty quickly of whether or not there's going to be support at a clinic to make that change. It, it is quite difficult to find the right timing. Yeah. And the question is, can you really find the right timing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. Um, you'll always be busy. Yeah. You'll always have work to do. Yeah. So I think it, come, it does come down to getting buy-in from the frontline staff. If you're trying to push it and you're removed from the, the clinic and the frontline and you don't have those connections, it, it probably will not be successful. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah I'm, I think we are struggling a little bit about this. What is the right time and uh, when is it? And I'm thinking normally there is no right time. Um, so let's just start and maybe start smaller. Sure. So, and always start small and then you, you're trying to spread it out. Um, this burnout thing, is it more here now than when you you are been working here for five years? Can you see a change five years ago or now, or is it better now, or what's going on? You know, my my sense is I don't I don't think there's been as far as improvement projects. I don't think there's burnout for that. The burnout may come from other changes that are being made. We have organizational restructure. Yes, and. Yeah. You know, all of those things, when, the, when you add all, all of those different factors together, that's what leads to the, to the quote, burnout. Uh, but I do think that when people come to Intermountain, there's an understanding that we, we work to make things better for the patient. Uh, and when they can see that it helps the patient and themselves, it kind of removes those barriers. But when, we, when you talk about improvement work, there can be a number of barriers when you're working with people. But you said the tricky thing is that when they can see it's better for the patients and themselves. Yeah. So <laughs> how do you measure that it's better for yeah. for the staff? And I don't you know. So, you know, there's there's probably the uh, the first thing that you might think of is you know caregiver satisfaction surveys and things like that. But at the same time, if I've, I've 
worked on a project where they wanted to implement a change in the electronic medical record, but the forms that were being deployed didn't make sense for the providers. Hmm. They, they had to click and go to a different module and it just didn't make sense. It wasn't a part of their natural workflow. So working with the physician, he said, you know, if you can do this and this, the providers will love it, it will make it easier for them and they'll use it. And so we might not be able to measure that, but we had a provider sitting there on the team saying, this is what, if you made this change, people would use it. And so, you know, we don't always measure it no. uh, um, objectively, but you can get, you know, we do consider expert opinion as a legitimate reason to make a change. And so if you can get some of those caregivers, some of those frontline staff to say, this would, this would really make life easier for us. That's in my mind, that's enough. It's not, again, an objective measure from a survey tool, but it's in a, a caregiver saying, yes, this is what we would want. So you could ask a coaching question, what, um, what makes life easier for you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And there you will get a lot of improvement ideas. What would be ideal for you, yeah. sure. But then you still have to link, it will make a difference for the patient. Yes. Because otherwise we are going down in what will be better for us as staff. Absolutely, right. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think you are completely right. If you have those things, both better for staff and better for patients, it will sustain. Mm -hmm. But if you are only have it better for patients, but your staff is going to burn out, yeah. it can't. Yeah, it and I've seen those projects where the staff weren't considered. We just were thinking about patient, which is great, but it doesn't sustain because the staff are, are affected by it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, is there anything else you would like to tell our listeners? No, so, I appreciate you letting me take a few minutes mm -hmm. to visit with mm -hmm. you. It's been great. Okay, well, thank you very much, and I hope our listeners are having uh, some ideas of this. And if you have any other questions to us, please let us know. And uh, if you have any other persons that you would like me to interview, let me also know. Thank you for this time. Bye-bye. This podcast is made by Kulturum Design and Learning Center in Sweden.